Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special edition of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and we are honored and delighted and excited and excited to be with you tonight. Indeed. What and, a blessing. And we gave you a little bit of a, uh, of a psych at the beginning of this hour. <laughs> we just love Sister uh, Shields. Sister Is that Ann who it was? Shields. Sister yeah. Ann Shields? Yeah. Now, we were greeted tonight as we came into the studio by both Ron and Deacon Mike. And I said, how you doing? And, and let's I don't hear know it we, for them. Absolutely. Round of applause. I wish we had the canned uh, applause. But I asked Deacon Mike a question, and he said something about gremlins. And, of course, my mind went to the Spielberg film. Of but, course. of course, after the glitch or the problem or whatever it was, I guess we are in the season of haunting. So my mind kind of went there. You know, again, a little bit of the problem there at the beginning, um, which it's amazing, though, the technological sophistication that uh, he and they must possess to operate this. It is truly stunning. And lots of angels on their side. Absolutely. For for you to be hearing this right now is a miracle. But, uh, gee, what all the more an occasion for you to send in that donation to Annunciation Radio. That's right. Bring it on, people. Um, Fabulous uh, evening they had with Father Mitch. Mm -hmm. Was that last week? They all run together. They do, but what a great evening. I think it was the first of what will be many. I know they've had other speakers, so I shouldn't say that. But a very good evening with Father Mitch, a packed audience, 300 people. And for Steph and I, would you not agree, it's really a bit of a family reunion. You get to reconnect with godly people in the community, and uh, you share history together. And how neat is that, Steph, that increasingly, as we've only been here not even five years that, you know, we feel like these are, you know, we probably know, I don't know, maybe half of the folks are in the audience and uh, to be able to connect with them. So anyways, folks, it is a blessed evening to be with you here October 10th, Tuesday night, uh, Ignite Radio Live and uh, airing again on Saturdays at 2 p.m. So if it's Saturday, do not call in. But if, you know, otherwise call in and uh, we always invite you to call in and share how, how God is working in your life in a particular way. And uh, fall is just an enchanting season. Um, it's just God's design, especially where you get to experience all the seasons pronounced. Mm-hmm. To me, the changing of the leaves, there's something about that that is always magical. Uh, it is, of course, I love my birthday month. I was going to say, and 6th. it was the changing of a decade for somebody. Indeed, in I am room. now in the second half. I'm in the back, back nine, I guess, but it's, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, God, take me when you will. The this gospel passage a number of weeks ago, I feel that sometimes. Paul was saying, you know, Lord, I, you know, I'm, I'm torn. I'm conflicted. I like being here, and you've blessed me to be here, but I'm also hungry for heaven. And uh, so long as you have me, let me do the work you call me to do. Anyways, I digress. Um, how all creation magnifies God. How all creation magnifies God. And to me, it's such a mystery that the beauty around us in the trees, the leaves changing, coincides with their dying. The beauty coincides with dying. And uh, I've always been blessed to regard the richness of Catholic thinking, Catholic philosophy and theology that understands life in death, that understands the paradox. So right now, folks, if you are experiencing the dying, if you will, Know that our faith, our Catholic faith, has an understanding of us being united in the heart of Christ and his death in which is already being born life. We don't feel it often. We feel alone. We feel alienated. We feel estranged. So wherever you find yourself on this night, whatever challenges, whatever difficulties, um, whatever you're harboring or is haunting you, if you will, from the past, certainly God wants us to be healed. 
He wants us to be healed, and he gives us our, our faith and particularly the grace in the church for that purpose, to be aware of where we're at relative to where he calls us to be, and the grace of the church is precisely to get us there. He wants us to be all the more surrendering and finding that strength in Jesus, to run to Jesus, to uh, entrust ourselves to Jesus, not to you know just accept it the way it is, but to entrust ourselves to him. So let's begin tonight in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, here in the beginning of fall, we open our hearts and our minds to you. We who are really born into this world to die and by your design to pass into eternal life. All of us are, if you will, uh, terminally ill in this life so that we might pass into eternity. And the grain of sand that is this life, what we do with it, Uh, is the occasion to determine all the rest. Make us mindful of the beauty of our dying. For to live is Christ, to die is to gain. Lord, may we die to lesser things. Make us aware of the way in which our affections are fixed on lesser things. We pray for deeper renewal of mind and heart, deeper conversion, deeper healing, Lord God, that our hearts might be restored, transformed, to be fixed on the things that your heart is fixed on. We say yes, Lord. We invite you to inhabit us all the more. Our minds, our hearts, our memories, our understanding, our will. We are yours. We give you permission to work tonight. And we ask this in your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Our Lady of the Rosary. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So a few announcements, and then Steph is going to queue up a very uh, cool homily tonight by Father Ricardo. He's going to share with us. Um, So coming up in December... We are returning to our roots before we even came to the Diocese of Toledo. Presence for Christmas was born four consecutive weeks. We call it a four-week journey into the heart of Christ's Mass. So four Wednesdays of Advent at St. Joan of Arc. Mark your calendar. You're really going to want to make a commitment here. With all the materialism and all the distraction, it seems the enemy is working particularly hard. These are occasions to experience an abundance of grace, an abundance of healing. And so we have a regional one taking place at St. Joan of Arc, the Wednesdays of Advent. They're absolutely free. And uh, we do hear a little bit of back noise, John Paul. I'm not sure what that is. But uh, anyways, um, uh, so we each night is going to respectively benefit a nonprofit organization. It's going to involve a seven-minute testimonial from somebody representing a nonprofit organization, and all donations will benefit that organization. If you want to find out more, it's absolutely free, but we do encourage you to sign up at presentsforchristmas.com. That's P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E-F-O-R, Christmas.com. Go there now and sign up. Just encourages us also that uh, you're already praying with us and uh, getting on board. So do that. And then we're looking already, it seems crazy, right? It's October. Why are we thinking of Christmas? Well, I think, you know, the Advent thing is good because it helps us, I think, um, gives us uh, preparation as we go into it. And so it doesn't come so quickly and we can really enter in and have that uh, glorious celebration that is the birth of our Savior. So it's good to already begin thinking about this a month and a half out now. Um, And then into the new year, we're going to launch big with something very exciting. On January 13th, the native son of Toledo, Father Nathan Cromley, is going to be leading us in a very impactful day of retreat. We're calling it the Lit Marriage Mission Retreat, led by Father Nathan Cromley, again on January 13th for couples. It's for married couples. And what distinguishes this from other marriage events and retreats is uh, words that he gave us 
at a Kingdom Builders event. If you want to hear that, go to our um, podcast ourselves at IgniteRadioLive.com and hear Father Nathan's words last week. He's going to unpack that. But his words to us, to married couples, were to go on mission, to recognize we our nature and our mission is to make God's love known and to do this as a husband and a wife. In a sense, he is saying, go on the offensive. You know, too often I think it's true, Steph, that we just, you know, married couples get caught up in their separate worlds and we find ourselves on the defensive and we're not aware that God gave us a mission and we're strengthened by understanding it and by embracing that mission. So he's going to lead us in this awesome day of retreat, January 13th, St. Joan of Arc. Um, And it's going to be followed by, hopefully all who are there will be open to this, um, a seven-week season of lit gatherings, a seven-week season of lit groups. Now, what is that? Lit means live it. Image the Trinity is our identity and mission. So married couples with no more than a total of 10, so five couples, will gather in a home for seven weeks to talk and pray based upon Sunday readings. And that seventh week, by the way, so they'll be meeting six, the seventh week will be a spark and an ignite event that will unite all of the various lit groups. So it's not a requirement that you make the commitment in advance to sign up for this retreat, but you certainly, we want you to come being open to that because increasingly this is our mission. Not another program, but a way of life in Jesus Christ. That this is an occasion of grace to gather with other couples for a season of just seven weeks. It's manageable. You can make that commitment. You can find that time, that weekly night that works for you. You know, as we've heard people comment who have been doing this for a while, it truly is transformative. And just one more little mini commercial. We've mentioned it um, prior to tonight, but just want to encourage you and remind you, um, we've spoken of the Be Healed ministry of Bob Schutz and company. We had Bob on and blessed to have his brother Bart also. Um, and they are coming uh, close by us, technically the Columbus Diocese, but right on the outskirts in Sunbury, Sunbury, Sunbury Ohio. And that's December, I'm sorry, November 30th through December 2nd, Healing the Whole Person um, retreat. So just encourage you to check out that for more information. It's jp2healingcenter.org. Um, but just an awesome opportunity to really go deeper into the heart of the Father and mm-hmm. all that He desires to give to His children. So a quick um, telling you where to go for this Lit Marriage Mission Retreat. Um, get your pen and paper, or maybe you can memorize it. And by the way, within the first few days of announcing it, it was 60% full. So we are so excited that people in this area are responding to this desire for more than just a powerful day, but a, uh, a vision of living it out in a particular way that will result in personal family and parish transformation. You know, we're encouraging pastors to recognize the power of this if they suggest uh, a married couple that's on mission in their parish to to say yes to this day and then to invite three couples just to begin it, three or four couples uh, from their parish, because it's going to be a context of renewal for them. Anyways, where can you go to find out more and sign up now? There are maybe 15 spots left. Massimpact.us forward slash lit marriage. That's massimpact.us forward slash lit marriage. And now to uh, set the stage for our wonderful opening presentation tonight and to invite your calling in following this 24-minute awesome talk uh, homily by Father Ricardo. So before I give my little, little introduction, one, sorry for interrupting your uh, thoughts there. I thought you gave the the uh, site anyway to, already to register. So 
I, I jumped the gun there. Um, two, as we are going to be talking about this amazing homily, I think, that Father Ricardo gave recently, I just want to encourage our listeners also, there are so many opportunities on the Internet to go and listen to different podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I know many of our parishes have you know the recordings of their your priest homilies and it's so good to go back and re-listen and to really absorb and maybe even take notes and to pray with and reflect upon and um if you do have somebody like a father ricardo or um gosh there's so many that we're blessed with in our country in 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 our area but I encourage you to go and listen and use that maybe as part of your prayer time and to really go deeper when you're, you know, needing those moments or, you know, looking for something a little different. Um, so that's my word of encouragement. Good to you. word. So I often love to uh, go on to Father Ricardo's podcasts and um, his talks and retreat talks and other things that he has given, um, but in particular his Sunday homilies and also that of his associate are just kind of that, you know, nice bite-sized reflective moment sometimes in my day that I need or at the end of a crazy day or whatever the case may be. Um, so I was listening the other night, and my kids joke because they'll say the three people I quote the most are my dad, John Paul II, and Father Ricardo, as Father Ricardo says. So um, he's certainly a friend in our home over the speaker system. But this particular homily really moved me. And um, without giving the story, because you will hear it in a moment, it was just from a couple weeks ago, um, just basically about divine appointments and forgiveness. Um, But focusing on those two words, divine appointments, you know, that, that the Lord gives us in our life. So as we're queuing this up and as we listen, I want you, our listeners, to just really take a moment and pray that the Holy Spirit enlightens your heart and your mind um, to think about and be open to those divine appointments that He calls us to in our life and how we respond, do we respond, and the difference um, that it will make, because sometimes it's just that moment of a simple yes that can literally be a life changer. And here we go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, who is the good shepherd, who in his great love for us goes in search of us when we're lost, who never abandons us, who is creative and surprising in how he comes and gets us. Lord, we thank you for the power of the gospel. We thank you for what you're doing in our community right now in these days, for the way you're breaking into our lives and into our hearts. We ask that through your spirit today you would continue to do that, that our own lives might continue to be changed, and whoever who might be here today who's most in need of your grace, might receive it. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't mind those. That'll become clear in a moment. So in the middle of this series that we're in, or at the beginning of this series that we're in right now, I, uh, I shared with you a story about my mom and how it took her some 33 years to reconcile with her dad who had walked out on my grandmother after having an affair with his secretary and 
in talking to my mom, saying to her, Mom, I, think, I really think the Lord wants to tell this story. Can I tell it? She had her head down, as she always does, because she's got a curvature of the spine. And as soon as I asked that question, she just kind of gently looked up at me and began to smile. And she said, yes, son, tell them. Tell them God is real. Tell them he has the power to change the hardest of hearts. So that's what we've been doing these last few weeks. We've been telling stories. The reason we're doing this is because we're trying to find a way to unpack the Archbishop's letter, Unleash the Gospel, which we're going to continue to talk about for the next number of years. Father Dave and I were with the Archbishop this past week up north, and the way the Archbishop describes what we're living through right now, he calls it, this is part two of the history of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Those are no small words. And so we're trying to find a way into unpacking what it is that he's saying in this letter. And the way that we feel like the Lord wants us to talk about it right now is just to continue to tell stories. And so we've heard myself and Deacon Dave and Father Prentice and then Father Dave last week. But these aren't just stories because the, the gospel's not just words. The gospel's power. It's the power of God that's able to change our lives practically, concretely, no matter what, no matter where we are. And last week, Father Dave mentioned that what we've been seeing these last few weeks as we've been doing this is person after person come forward, either to us, to our prayer ministry after Mass, to confession in the park, longing for that same power to break into their lives. Longing for healing, for reconciliation, for peace with God and with others as well. And praise be Jesus, it's been happening. This weekend, I feel like the Lord wants to do something very different. Something I've never done in the context of a Mass. So after this really short homily, I'm going to invite a man up who I recently met. Uh, someone who I would call now a, a new friend and a new brother. Someone who can give testimony to the fact that God is often remarkably creative and downright surprising in just what he'll do to go and get us. Someone who can give testimony to what the, the prophet Ezekiel says, or what God says through the prophet Ezekiel, that God does not delight in the death of the wicked. But rather, he's always doing everything he can to go and get us and to bring us home. Someone who can testify to this beautiful open, opening prayer that we just heard. How God manifests his power above all by pardoning and showing mercy. And someone who can testify to the fact that God can reconcile people remarkably quickly. So I want to invite up my new friend and brother, Roger Let me just tell you at the beginning, this takes courage. And I want to thank you for it. Thank you. And honor you for it. So welcome. It's the third time you've been here now. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Huh? Family, some of them are with you here today. We're honored to have you. Your work, give us a snapshot of Roger, will you? Can you hear me? 
I am, uh, my name is Roger, 60 years old. I am the uh, proud father of three unbelievable children. I've got my wonderful mother here today, and I've got my wife of 27 years, Karen, here today as well. This is the only mass they're going to be making of the four I'm going to be doing. Um, professionally, I am a wealth manager slash financial advisor. I have a, I humbly tell you, a, a tremendously successful practice. Uh, life is pretty good to Roger and his family, and yet over the years, I've never felt quite fulfilled and in fact empty and even at times didn't like myself a whole lot. That brings me here today. So you and I met on August 31st. What was your, what was your life like before that day? So churchgoer? I've always been a churchgoer as is my family. Okay, St. Regis? We are parishioners at St. Regis Church in Bloomfield Township, uh, which is where I went to grade school, my kids went to grade school. I'm also a graduate of Brother Rice High School. Okay. Would you have called yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ at that time? The answer is no. Okay. I was delusional. I thought I was. In, in essence, I was not. Okay. So maybe you would have said you were, but in reality you weren't? That is correct. Okay. Were you happy? Not entirely, no. I have not been happy for, I mean, truly happy for a long, long time. Let me ask you a pointed question. We don't know the answer to this, obviously, but we can guess, right? If you had died before that day, do you think you would have gone to heaven? I do not think I would have gone to heaven. I, uh, I had not uh, adhered to all Ten Commandments. And uh, there's no question in my mind that I had an issue relative to where, where my eternal peace would have been. Okay. So what happened August 31st? On August 31st, I, uh, I was playing golf with clients at uh, a club I belonged to in Oakland County. And there's only one place on the golf course, only one place on the golf course that I could possibly have run into this man. And wouldn't you know it? We ran into each other in a rather odd way. I was just about to leave the green and go to the next tee box, and I hear somebody call my name. It's one of our uh, members. It was Father John's host. And he's a great guy, kind of a kibitzer, but an absolute great guy. And he said, Roger, come on over here and meet Father John. I did one of these, yeah, rights. Uh, and I didn't believe it was a father. And I said something that was absolutely vulgar and hideous, just terrible. Whether he was a priest or not is something I never should have said. But I just decided to say something. And I really had never said anything quite like this before. But I said something that was terrible. Um, at that point, my, the host I just referred to said, no, Roger, this is a priest. Yeah, let me weigh in on this. So I've been ordained 21 years. I can honestly tell you, uh, I have never heard anything more vile in my life than what he said to me. And then he repeated it as I'm shaking his hand. At which point I began to squeeze his hand and look at him and say, no, really, I'm a priest. And 
we were, he was on the 11th green, I was on the 8th green. I looked at the three guys I was with, I said, guys, I'm done, you don't want to play with me. Because uh, I have a bit of a temper. <laughs> and so I just knew I had to leave, so I just walked off the course. As soon as I left the course, uh, I heard the Lord say to me, y you need to go offer Mass for that man. That was the last thing I wanted to do, was to go offer Mass for that man. But I did, so I went home, told Father Prentice what had happened. I, I have never been as offended or as angry as I was as a priest at that moment. What happened after? As I've said in the other two masses I've been at, I've, I've spoken at, there's two, two spirits within me. There's the good Roger and there's the bad Roger. The, the good Roger was overridden with guilt. I am to this moment, actually. I was just dumbfounded. I, I couldn't believe I had said what I said to a priest, and to anybody for that matter, but I said it to a priest. I actually went home, went online, and I had... I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I called up by ho the host and asked him for the names of everybody. And I went online first looking up Father John. And if any of you have done that, it's an, it's an amazing testimonial to who and what he represents, uh, the things that you would see online. And I listened to his podcast, saw some, listened to some YouTubes, and was just blown away. Um, I was particularly blown away by a podcast he gave when he came back from uh, Utah, speaking about the difference between weed and a wheat and wheat, a weed and wheat. Organically, two very similar uh, entities, but there's a huge difference between weed and a wheat. If you're a weed, you listen but don't obey. If you're wheat, you listen and obey. I realized at that moment, at that very moment, I was a weed. And I decided to do something about it. So he sends me an email the next, this is Friday, the day after. Dear Father John, I'll skip the intro. I feel worse today than I did when my father died nearly six years ago. I have no excuse for my behavior, sir. I didn't sleep a wink last night, probably will not sleep well for a while. I plead with you for 10 to 15 minutes of your time in person. I don't believe in making amends by email. I will meet you at your convenience at any time you hopefully offer. If such arrangement is not of interest to you, I understand. He ends by saying, I feel very strongly something good is going to come out of this for me. That was the day after. Two days after that, I get a letter from Roger. At one point, it, he says, Jesus is, allowing, Jesus is allowing me to prove to him that I have recommitted to him. I'm going to take the horrible events of August 31st and turn them into an eternity-saving event for Roger. I got my wake-up call, Father. I plead with you to allow me to come to Kellogg Park, wait in line with everyone else and say my confession and apologize to you in person. A week goes by, I get another email. Totally different tone. Father, I wanted you to know I had a life confession yesterday. 
And the process of recommitting to the Lord is well underway. I like myself for the first time in a long time. I look to continue this process of healing, recommitment, and mending fences by seeing you in person one day soon. I have not felt this alive in years, Father. In some distorted way, running into you may have been my salvation. I love our Lord Jesus Christ. How in the world did you find out about making a lifelong confession? I'm a parishioner of St. Regis, and uh, back in the Lenten season, I recall, a few months ago, uh, Father Ben Lutke uh, came and spoke about the, uh, the importance of considering a life confession. This was during one of the Masses, and then he invited uh, anybody who was interested to come to St. Regis on Monday night at 6 p.m., to listen to him elaborate on the essence of uh, the whole thought process behind a life confession. So I grabbed my wonderful wife and I asked her if she would join me, and of course she did. And we went and listened to the wonderful, wonderful man. I've said this, this is the third time I've said this, the second greatest priest I ever met. Um, and he spoke just so eloquently about how important considering doing a life confession is. Um, my wife and I were, were, were blown away by, by the, the tone of his, his, his whole speech. Um, the problem I had with myself was I just didn't feel, I felt I would be hypocritical to do such, to do such a thing, to do a life confession, given I wasn't ready to commit to really becoming a Christian 10 for 10 commandment-wise. Um, I told Father, it was like a car wash. It's, it's like going to a car wash when it's snowing and raining outside. I was, you go in dirty, you get clean, and a day or two later you're dirty again. I felt like that was, that would make my going to life confession a waste of time. But what I was doing, obviously, was playing Russian roulette with my, pos with my eternal salvation. And I'm lucky I didn't get hit by a car or struck in the head by a golf ball on the golf course, whatever. And um, eventually ran into Father Ricardo, made a complete fool of myself, but that was my salvation. That got me over the hump and got me to go make my appointment with the pastor of St. Regis for my life confession approximately three and a half, four weeks ago. So how long had it been since you'd gone to confession before that? I had gone twice in 40 years. And one time was what, one of your children's first communions? One time was our youngest child's first communion, um, where they, excuse me, first confession, yep. for reconciliation. And uh, the priest then asked all the parents to come up with their parents to do their confession. Um, Not a good idea, by the way. Yeah, I, you're, you're standing there um, in line and other parents are 10 feet away from you listening to your, listening to your confession. So. I gave a very incomplete confession that day. So it had really been 40 years? Yes. So what were the effects of the encounter with Jesus in confession that immediately began to happen? Uh, I, I, I plead with everybody here who is considering a life confession. It was unbelievable. It is unbelievable. I have never felt this way. I just, I, I'm, on a, I'm on a high right now that's just unbelievable. I don't drink, so I don't know what it's like to get a high from that, but I really feel like a million dollars. I got to tell you, um, it's, 
that for whatever reason, it prompted me to to seek reconciliation with anybody I've ever had issues with in my life. I'm making a sincere effort. I think I've surprised my wife with a couple of my efforts to get along with everybody. Um, there's, there's a lot of pettiness out there. I've got petty feuds going with this person or that person. They may be my fault. They may be their fault. It doesn't make a difference. I've sought out to, uh, an effort to reconcile with everybody that may have an issue with me. And some of that's gone well and some of it hasn't? I, I'm batting, a, I've got a good batting average. I've had a couple of people that have basically ignored me, but I've been very successful in my efforts to reconcile with anybody that I believe I've had an issue with. And it's a wonderful feeling to make amends with somebody that you may not have gotten along with for a long time. Right? And, Absolutely a wonderful feeling. And I'm one of them. We, you, you and I got together 10 days ago or so, sat down, spent about an hour and a half having coffee. I don't know what you thought was going to happen walking into that. I had a hope for what was going to happen walking into that, but we left as brothers and as friends. And in the course of that conversation, uh, I just asked him, would you be willing to come and tell your story here? And he said, sure. I said, we have five masses. <laughs> he went, okay, I think I can do four of them. <laughs> I got a tea time in the afternoon. <laughs> I said, that'll work. He says, can I bring my wife? I said, absolutely. So how would you describe the contrast between your life before that lifelong confession and now? Like, what's the biggest difference? I have, I have a, such a desire to, to be wheat. I, I'm going to obey the Ten Commandments the rest of my life. You know, I'm in the last quarter. I'm, I'm 60. I, you know, I may, I may die tomorrow. I may, I may be around for another 20 or 30 years. Who knows? But I need to, uh, I needed to get right. I am right. I am looking forward to the rest of my life. I'm looking forward to my, to my mom and wife not saying to me, Roger, you can't say that. Um, the shock, the shock jock thing is over. Um, my wife has been saying to me for 27 years, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. I look forward to not hearing that again. I'm going to, it's a, I know people say a leopard spots don't change. This leopard spots have changed. That's the power of the gospel. You said something earlier this morning about sleep that I think is really important. Say that, would you? I was telling father, I, you know, for 40 years, I've never had a good night's sleep. I think I drive my poor wife crazy. I probably drove my mom crazy. But it's, it's, when you're troubled, when you know that, you know, and the good Roger was troubled, when you're just not feeling right about yourself, and I fortunately had guilt in me that prompted me to feel, I, I felt guilty. I'm glad I did feel guilty instead of being cold to my ways. And I, I literally went 40 years without a good night's sleep. And ever since my life confession, I'm sleeping through the night. It's just amazing. I know it sounds like a small thing, but I'm sleeping all night now. Not a small thing at all. So what, what would you say, what do you think the Lord wants you to say to anybody who might be here today as you were before August 31st in that lifelong confession? What would you say to them? I would, I would say that a couple of things. One of our sacraments is reconciliation slash confession. For whatever reason, it, it seems to be within our Catholic faith, a sacrament that a lot of us are ignoring. It, it's, we take it for granted, possibly. I would strongly plead with everybody to reconsider that and, and, and get to confession. And a life confession is just awesome. Um, 
I, 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 there are no words to describe what it is to, to bear everything um, and, and to be forgiven. And I didn't tell him to say that. <laughs> Here's the rest of the story. I wasn't supposed to be there that day. I was supposed to have played with these guys six weeks before. But I had a funeral, and so I had to reschedule. We rescheduled for that day. I just happened to be at that course that day. And I just happened to be walking by the green at that time. And I initiated this because for whatever reason, and I now know it was the Holy Spirit, I asked the guy I was with, who is that? I didn't recognize him. I didn't think I recognized him. I don't know why I asked that question, but what's clear right now is that the Lord wanted me to ask the question because when I asked the question, he heard his name. If I don't ask the question, he doesn't hear his name. If he doesn't hear his name, he doesn't walk over to us. If he doesn't walk over to us, he doesn't say to me what he said to me. If he doesn't say to me what he said to me, I wouldn't have been as angry and as offended. If I hadn't been as angry and as offended, I wouldn't have offered mass for him. If I hadn't offered mass for him, I don't know if he wouldn't have made a lifelong confession. And if he wouldn't have made his lifelong confession, he certainly wouldn't be here right now. Jesus is often called the hound of heaven. Or as it says in our sanctuary, he thirsts for us. And because he thirsts for us out of his love, he goes searching for us to find us. And he knows where to find us, even if it's a golf course. He will go and find us so as to bring us back, so as to rescue us, so as to save us from death, from sin, from self-loathing, from our past, to enable us to be at peace again with him, with ourselves, and to sleep at night all because of his great love. Oh yes, brothers and sisters, God is real and he is powerful and he is able to change the hardest of hearts. He's the good shepherd who goes looking for his lost sheep wherever they may be and his power is amazing and perhaps made most manifest by turning people who once didn't talk to each other or who had an encounter like we had into friends and into brothers. And I'm honored and grateful to call you both. Thank you. How about for Roger? What an absolutely fabulous testimonial. And uh, Father Ricardo, just the blessed gift we have in him as a pastor. But imagine, this just happened in months prior to uh, this particular homily, and to have the courage to bring this man up, this gentleman up, who had this very powerful conversion in a matter of uh, of weeks, really. Right. August 31st <clears throat> is when it happened. And to, to have him incorporated into his homily, uh, talking about the power of God's grace. So many levels there. So just start there. Father Ricardo himself and his willingness to uh, to really keep it real. I mean, you don't get more real than that. Real presence, real stories. We are people who are about real. You can't fake that. This guy was inscripted. This stuff is real. Anybody who wants to think that, you know, Catholicism and faith is just kind of a fake thing. So the testimonial factor right there, live and raw, right? And then, of course, you have the pronounced message there of somebody who had gone to Catholic, who'd been going to Catholic Mass 
And I, I like the beginning how he, um, Father Ricardo asks him, would you have thought that you were a disciple of Jesus? And you get a sense there that, you know, he might have thought he was, but really deep down inside was in conflict with himself. I mean, how many right now are faithful maybe to going to Mass and matters religious, but inside there's, they're bearing a guilt, a heavy guilt that is keeping them awake at night? And uh, this is hope for you and me, uh, that there are even greater areas of peace and serenity that can be found in examining our lives. I think thirdly, the uh, life confession, a life confession, like a thorough nuclear-powered, bring it all to the confessional and lay it out there. By the way, folks, you can do that just about any day you want. You want to walk into a church and uh, and go to a pastor. There's not a pastor, priest I know in this entire area of Northwest Ohio, Toledo, not one I know who would not be phenomenal in saying, hey, Father, it's been a long time. I really need to lay it out. Now, he may be busy or whatever at that moment, but I, I just there's not one I know who would not delight, and I mean delight, mm-hmm. in hearing somebody lay it out there completely and even telling them, I mean, to walk you through it. Forget about, you know, needing to know the exact words of the this and that. That's not what it's about. It's about going to a priest who is in persona Christi and, uh, and finding the grace of the Holy Spirit to, um, to really get rid of the junk and be restored to grace, re- restored to that life. I think also I like Roger's integrity of saying, you know, I wasn't ready for that. You know, he knew he was going to be going in there and could list all these things, but his acknowledgement that, that, you know, he wasn't ready to be transformed. He wasn't ready to convert. He wasn't ready to kind of um, seek God's grace in that way. And I think the banner over all of these things, these elements, these themes that you and I out there, listeners, that we share together, the banner over it all is that there are really no coincidences. There's only God incidences. That our encounters with people every single day are occasions to um, be God's grace and to see God's grace, to be God's grace and to receive God's grace. But do we look at the world through that lens? Do we see everything as divine appointments? Do we recognize the people that we work with are in our homes, these occasions that God sets up for encounter? And, uh, and how awesome that Father's giving us testimony in Roger that there was a distinct moment that they acted upon it, that Father in particular um, was moved to respond to it. Who came to mind when you heard this tonight, brothers and sisters? Is it something recently in your, in your history that uh, has made a difference, that you acted upon, or maybe somebody else intervened and uh, approached you, and it was a life-changing encounter? We want to invite you with a short time that we have left to uh, be bold. Call in 877-275-8098, 877-275-8098. Again, call in and share if you've had a God incidence, if you've had a, a divine appointment that has changed your life for an occasion where you have changed another's life. We're putting you on the spot and uh, invite you to call in and share with us here on Ignite Radio Live. We're so blessed uh, to be with you and uh, to have this great occasion to share these testimonies. So um, just a little comment the beginning of Father's homily, he referred to the Archdiocese of Detroit's um, plan, if you will, mm-hmm. on evangelization called Unleash the Gospel. And their Archbishop um, Vignerone, is, mm-hmm. is that right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, st- you know, starting now, it's the second part of the history of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Mm, I love that. And which is very powerful. But the, the, um, 
I don't know what officially they call it, but what he wrote up after a year-long, I believe, study, if you will, and questions and meetings and surveys among the faithful in, in the Archdiocese of Detroit, a beautiful document called Unleash the Gospel. Mm-hmm. And so they are in the in the the movement, if you will, as Father Ricardo referred to, of really focusing on just reaching out and um, not just evangelizing, but knowing that the Lord um, desires to have the heart of the Lord and reaching these people in all the ways that they can, Mm. you know, just to unleash it. And, you know, a very powerful way, as he said, and as you echoed, Greg, is through the stories, Mm -hmm. you know, proclaiming testimonies and, you know, using those means and methods. The Lord used parables, right? And he got right in there with them and um, just how the Lord uses that and allows these amazing things to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But just that whole, gosh, the, the, transformation that can take place. Mm-hmm. And I love how he referred to, you know, um, the hound of heaven, Absolutely, just how the Lord just longs for us to respond to, you know, his beckoning. We need to also brothers and sisters out there warmly welcome Brett Hunterbrinker, who is, uh, I don't know what his official title is, but director of evangelization is essentially what he's going to be doing. I think working with uh, Deacon Joe and, um, and uh, De La Torre and a bunch of a good crew there that are really committed under our really good bishop to see transformation happen in this diocese, to truly see this become a holy Toledo. You know, folks, we really live in a phenomenal uh, area of this country at a phenomenal time with very intentional disciple leaders um, at, at the diocese, in parishes, and I'll even say, you know, in the grassroots who are eager to see the kingdom come. That's the way to summarize it. As we pray the Our Father, they're eager to fulfill the words that we're praying, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, Brett, of course, um, you've heard him on the radio. He has uh, been very, he's a friend to uh, Annunciation Radio. Um, he was there. I know Father Schild is lamenting his loss, and we can pray for St. Jerome to find, uh, I think they've got some really good people there, but uh, definitely Brett has been a formidable person to help architect some real transformation there in that parish. And now we're so blessed to have him at the helm, if you will, uh, working for the bishop, working for Deacon Joe, and and seeing some great things happen in the diocese, and um, we certainly are at that service, Mass Impact. Um, but, I, you know, tune in next week. We are excited to have another brother in Christ. Greg Pohl is the diocesan director, whom I've known for a while, um, but for the Lansing Diocese, I've run across him a number of times. The first time actually was a Ash Wednesday retreat I was privileged to be part of with Ralph Martin and Sister Ann Shields, Peter Herbeck, uh, a lot of really, really good people uh, to discuss some, uh, you know, exciting plans. And uh, Craig Pohl happened to be there. And uh, we saw him again in Lansing at the retreat we were at with um, Bob Schutz, Bart Schutz, uh, the Healing the Whole Person retreat. And uh, it was awesome to me is <clears throat> here's a director of the diocese, and he's there for himself. Like he's there with his wife at this event, not just as a functionary or a job, but he's in it because he he wants to um, all the more be a disciple of Jesus. And uh, and he shared with me a phenomenal story of a transformation that took place in his diocese um, that just blew my mind. And so I uh, just kind of a little to pique your uh, appetite, if you will. He is going to be our guest next week to kind of share with us some of that uh, exciting story. So, again, just coming back quickly to the pastoral letter, um, Unleash the Gospel, the byline underneath it is 
you are listening, helping every soul within our reach to attain eternal life in Jesus Christ. Awesome. Helping every soul within our reach to attain eternal life in Jesus Christ. How powerful even that one statement is mm-hmm. that the Lord desires us to reach out to unleash his grace working through us. That so often it's the people that we're with the most, whether it's in our homes or in our schools or in our workplaces, that oftentimes we just kind of look past or look by or it's an uncomfortable place to be in regards to discussing faith or challenging or, you know, bringing up those um, touchy topics, if you will. And yet that is where the Lord has us. You know, how many divine appointments do we conveniently um, miss, if you will, or, you know, just kind of cover our ears and keep on walking comfortable or afraid or it's awkward. And we get that. Mm -hmm. We get folks that, that, you know, numerous times every day we are faced with these opportunities to be Christ's presence. And uh, we get, excuse me, get the frog out of my throat, um, this occasion to really be God's presence to them. And it doesn't necessarily, if we see them every day, <clears throat> mean that we're acting rawly. In fact, truly, the beginning is just, Lord, give me your heart for this person. And maybe that's a good step tonight for me to say to you uh, out there, um, if, you're, if there's somebody you know who just needs to know how much they're loved. And I think, really, that was probably Roger's deal. If you, if you pulled back the layers of his story, I'm sure somewhere you're going to see that uh, he, he was wounded, that um, he became callous because of a lack of love in his life, and certainly responding in the same. That great phrase, hurting people, hurt people. Um, but, but truly, you know, the first step of thinking of people who maybe speak um, is the way Roger did, or act in certain ways, it reveals that they're wounded, reveals that they're hurt. And I think the first step is, Lord, could I even just for a week every day, maybe pray one Hail Mary or a decade um, to have your heart, God, for the, these people? Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Can, can, a child. Can we take that step and just say, Lord, give me your heart for them. Help me to understand what they're going through. And I truly believe from that step, God uh, informs us. He guides us. He gives us confidence. He gives us the right words. He gives us the right opportunities. Um, Steph, I want to, I don't know if you have it up in front of you, I want to proclaim, if you will, the gospel, read the gospel for this coming Sunday. Because as we're moving towards the end of the year, uh, increasingly the readings are about the end of time. Increasingly, there is a sense of urgency. There is a sense of the purpose why we're on this planet. It's a wake-up call. We're, you know, people tend to presume we're going to be here forever, right? Because we wake up and the, today is like yesterday with some minor variations. But we may forget the fact that we know not the day nor the hour. And we, we are really moving rapidly in the grand scheme of things towards death, towards a, a moment of reckoning. And uh, at that moment, um, all will, we will not have another opportunity to respond. I doubt that those in Las Vegas the day before, even hours before, thought they were going to meet that fate. I'm sure they thought that they were safe. Um, and so this is a bit of a wake-up call, and I think it coincides with Father Ricardo's message with Roger, and uh, hopefully to all of us, that we do not know the day nor the hour. So this is from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus again, in reply, spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. 
A second time he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads, and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, He saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. The king said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Stephanie, as you were um, reading these words of Jesus, really it's 90% Jesus, the words of his mouth shared in the other Gospels also. And clearly Jesus is wanting us to be, he is inviting us in this. All who were his who were his hearers would simultaneously be aware that that they are invited to this feast, and they'd simultaneously be aware of the fact that God gives us the choice. God invites us, but he gives us the choice to respond. And I think there's another layer here, and maybe Roger from uh, Father Ricardo's homily uh, illustrates it best, that we may think that we're responding faithfully. We may think that um, we have, if you will, the decorations of religion and faith, but are we responding to the, the garment, if you will, to put on the garments of praise, the garments of Christ, um, to be transformed and to live for Jesus, to surrender, to, to leave behind our former life and to walk into a light of Christ. Um, you know, I'm not a prognosticator, uh, but clearly you see in Scripture we're called to be, uh, even though we know not the day nor the hour, we're also told in other parts of Scripture that we can tell the storm clouds are coming and we can tell that a storm is coming. And, uh, you know, it's just intriguing this time that we live in um, where we have the destructive power we never had in history before. We are approaching the 100th anniversary of the great miracle that took place at Fatima. It's coming up in a few days on um, Friday, October 13th, marking 100 years uh, on a day where 70,000 witnessed tremendous miracles. You know, and this is a time of anti-clericalism. Translation, a culture that did not receive God, a culture of atheists, quite frankly, if not agnostics. And they all experienced what, what could only be described as a miracle 100 years ago this Friday. Are we, are we really much different today in this culture? Are there those who outright deny Christ or deny God or deny his intervening personal present power? Or a number of us who are really, and I'm in this group, who are, you know, all the more deeply seeking to um, not just be about religion, uh, but recognize the relationship at the heart of religion. So we conclude tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we know you love us. You fashioned us for your indwelling spirit. 
Make us all the more aware of your love, Lord, that we would repent from anything else, from any lesser thing, God, that we'd be flooded with your grace and mercy. That we can live for you so much, God, that it overflows to others. Let your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We lift all this up to the glory of your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, but if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person, I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today.